me, please. Father, we are a needy people. And Father, we need you more than anything else in our lives. We're thankful that your word tells us that you know all about our needs, that you care all about our needs. And that your son will supply all of our needs. Because he is the richness in glory. Encourage us now as we share together. Work in our hearts. May we listen carefully to what your spirit says this day through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1. We've been working on some memory verses. Those memory verses are found in 2 Peter chapter 1. They're part of a passage of Scripture that I trust you've been applying to your hearts and living out in your lives. And these are the last two verses, verses 10 and 11. Let's quote them together this morning. Read them if you must. We'll start with a reference, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And then we'll say the verses, and then we'll finish again with the reference. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Work on them. Hide them in your heart. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And these verses need to be lived out in our lives. Philippians chapter 1 this morning, please. As you are well aware, the book of Philippians was a thank you letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote after he had received a gift from Epaphrodites. Paul had a relationship with these believers. He had visited them, and that record is for us in Acts chapter 16. And as he begins his letter to these believers, he thanks them for their investment in his life. Look with me this morning, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Jump down to verse 5, please. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Verse 18, please. The end of the verse. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my belief. Deliverance, And then verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. These believers were partners with Paul in the gospel. And as we grow together, we need to recognize that part of our growth is growing as partners, sharing together, recognizing that God has placed us all within this body, 
the body of Christ, certainly, but also this body called Calvary Baptist Church to serve him and to bring glory to his name. About 10 days ago, I had the privilege of going to a pastor's meeting over in Jackson. I go to those meetings for a couple of reasons. One is to be encouraged, and two is to be an encourager. There are some pastors there that come from tiny churches, churches that have about 35 in their attendance on Sunday morning, uh, churches that are struggling. In fact, one of the pastors, a friend of mine down in Colon, he said that a couple of weeks ago he preached a message that was entitled, We're Not Dead Yet. During that time, we were given the opportunity for prayer and praise requests. As it came to my time, I was reminded of the devotional that Jim brought to us at our deacons meeting, a devotional that encouraged us to make sure that we were entering God's presence. Is that not the first question in the catechism, right? What is the chief end of man? To be with God and enjoy his presence forever. And, and in my life, perhaps in yours, I want God to come down to me. God, I got all of these problems. I got all these issues. You come down to me and you help me with all this stuff. And, and you just work all these things out. Well, you know, it's a whole lot more fun for me to go up to him. And to enjoy his presence. And to be with him and to understand the wonder of his love and the wonder of who he is in, in my life. And so as it came my time, they asked for a prayer request. And I used that as a prayer request. Pray with me that I will enjoy God's presence more. That I will recognize all of the blessings and benefits that God has given to me. And that I won't just dwell down here all the time. They then asked for a praise. Again, this was Thursday after our Tuesday night deacon and trustee meeting. My praise was this. I am so thankful for the men with whom I serve at Calvary Baptist Church. I am thankful for the people at Calvary Baptist Church, their investment in my life, their encouragement to me. Their, their willingness to, to help in the work of the ministry. I am thankful that God has allowed Connie and me to be part of this church family because it is indeed a wonderful church family. Not perfect, but wonderful. And I am so thankful that together we can be part of the Battle Creek community and reach beyond our doors, fulfilling the assignment that God has given to us of going into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? As I was driving home, I thought about Philippians. And really, that's the same thing that Paul was doing. And Paul was saying, we are partners together, we are growing together, you have invested in my life, and I am so thankful for what God has used you to do to help in the work of the Lord. Thank you. Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. Now, we have been looking at this passage of Scripture now for the third week. And we have talked about growing in giving. 
Because that's exactly what the believers at Philippi had done. They had given a gift to Paul. Let me begin with verse 10, please, and I will read down through verse 20. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said. As we've talked about growing in giving, we have determined that growth begins, giving begins, understanding that we can have contentment in this life. Giving begins with contentment. Now there are two requirements for contentment. You remember what they were? They were grace. We must remember that grace and gratitude are to be part of our lives. We also learn that there is a response of love. The word love here used in the, in the text is that of a mental action that is turned into a physical response. And we need to make sure that we are indeed loving. We've said that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And that is so very, very important. Offering involves a sacrifice. It's an upward focus of our lives. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Hebrews chapter 13 says that there is a sacrifice of praise that has come from our lives to God. And in Ephesians chapter one, 5, it tells us that love is to be a sacrifice from our lives. So we are indeed to walk in sacrifice. We are also to have a willing spirit. Philippians chapter 4, are you there? Let me begin with verse 14, please. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. These believers had a willing 
spirit to give a gift, a gift that came from their hearts. When we take our offering Sunday morning, I use the phrase, his ties and our love gifts. And I think it's important for us to recognize what the New Testament says about tithing. It says very, very little. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. And tithing is the giving of the tenth. The tenth of everything that is owned. It included flocks and produce and cattle. And it was intended to be a gift for God because of all of the gifts that God had given to his people from the land that belonged to God. Now, the New Testament principle is every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. James 1, right? And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, in the Old Testament, there were three different ties. There was the ties to the priests. 10% of everything that you had was supposed to go to the priests for the work of the ministry of God. There was 10% that was given to the temple. It was given during the feasts. And it was given so that the temple could be taken care of. So they'd keep the heat lights on. Well, in the temple it was one and the same because they used the fire for heat and the fire for lights. But a tenth of everything that you had went as a temple tax, if you will, a temple tithe every year. And then every third year there was a 10% that was given to the poor it was a benevolent offering and so as you look at tithing in the old testament you're somewhere about 22 and a half percent 23 percent every year of your income was part of the tithe 10 percent every year to the priest 10 percent every year to the to the temple and then every three years it went to the poor now once you get to the new testament you learned very quickly that this had been brought out of proportion by the Pharisees. Keep your finger here in Philippians chapter 4 and turn back to Matthew's gospel, will you please? Matthew chapter 23. Let me begin with verse 23 now. This whole chapter is woes to the Pharisees, woes to the scribes. And in verse 23 we read, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Use that word picture in your mind, will you please? Now what had happened is by the time Jesus came along, the scribes and Pharisees had it down to a science. Not only cattle and produce and flocks, but even the smallest herb that was grown in the garden was to be tithed upon. And it was almost a checklist 
that the scribes and Pharisees used to discover righteousness in a person's life. I want you to see that Jesus condemned that checklist. Jesus said there's a whole lot more stuff important than tithing, dill, and cumin. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. That's what really matters. Now you move into 1 Corinthians, and there you discover pretty quickly that Paul talks about on the first day of the week collecting for the saints in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about laying something aside for the work of the ministry. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this, the point is, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we don't say a lot around here about tithing and giving and recognizing God with our finances, but it's part of Scripture. Someone sent me recently an article by John Piper. It was actually a response to a question that Dr. Piper was asked. And here's the question. Pastor John, when it comes to giving 10% of my income to a church, my tithe, can I split the money and, and give, say, 5% to my church and 5 to a nonprofit Christian ministry? What would you say about splitting the tithe? Now, that's the question. Now, like a lot of preachers... He doesn't answer the question. Sounds like a political debate, doesn't it? But here's his answer. The tithe, 10% of your income, is not a have to in the New Testament. The New Testament puts the life of the Christian on a new footing that is different from the Old Testament law. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, Now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. So, for example, when Paul gives instructions about how we should give, he never instructs us to lay aside a tithe. He says things like, Put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. And then he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that we should give according to our means. As I can testify, and they gave beyond their means of their own accord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he describes the giving that God delights in. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So the point is not that we are governed by percentages. They are not mandated. Rather, we should be governed by lavish, sacrificial generosity that overflows freely and joyfully. So I've often said to my people over the years that a middle-class American who is only tithing 10% is probably robbing God. In other words, we have become so accustomed to our Western prosperity and its ways of life that we think 5 or 10% is generous. I hope it is clear 
when I say that tithing is not a have to, not a New Testament rule. I am saying something like this. Suppose a football coach does not say to, does not say to his high school team, everybody must get up at 5 a.m. every morning and run three miles so as to be fit for the maximum effectiveness of this team. But instead, the coach says, I want you to love this sport with all your heart. I want you to give it all you have got this season. I want you to pursue maximum excellence and serve this team to make it as great as it can be. Now, which of those two ways of talking to the team sets the higher standard? The second way doesn't have any rules attached to it. The first one does. Up at five every day, three miles. Sounds pretty rigorous. But I think the second word from the coach is the higher standard. It touches the heart of the team members. And if any of them uses the absence of rules to justify half-hearted allegiance to the team, he is simply not following the heart of his coach. And so it is with giving to the church. Wow. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 22? That we should love the Lord our God with all of our what? Heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Hmm? And that really is what it's all about. And in the New Testament, the age of grace in which we live, it's all about recognizing who God is and his place in our lives and showing our love to him. 24-7, 365, and that means everything that we have. Our time, our talents, our treasure, our testimony. It's all been given by God, right? David said in Psalm 31, my times are in his hands. It belongs to God. First Peter tells us that each one of us has received a gift and we are to be good stewards of God's grace of the gift that he's given to us. You're well familiar with the parable of the talents of the treasure in Matthew chapter 25 and in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven it all belongs to him right and he all gives it back to us to use and we can increase or decrease its in its value based on our investment and one day we're going to be held accountable and it all starts with a willing spirit to love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our strength the believers at Philippi had a willing spirit to minister to Paul, to be part of his ministry. And they fulfilled that in their lives. Well, I better move on before I quit preaching and start meddling. If we're to have growth in the area of giving, we need to be able to trust God. Philippians chapter 4 again, please. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? Can we trust God with everything? Amen, we can. Why can we trust God? We can trust God because we have a great God, right? 
my God. Amen? Aren't you thankful that you can have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? You can become children of God as many as receive Christ. To them are given the privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. Amen? I talked to my dad yesterday. Saturday morning is my time to call my parents. My siblings have other times that they call mom and dad. I call on Saturday mornings. And when my mom answers the phone, she says, Tom, I'm so glad you called. I've been thinking about you. Let me tell you what that does to me. My mom's been thinking about me. Amen is right. I am so thankful that there is absolutely nothing that will take me away from my God. Amen? And I am so thankful that no matter where I am, my God makes note of that. And no matter what I have need of, my God understands because He's my God. Paul said, my God. He is a great God. But not only do we have a great God, we have some great needs, right? My God shall supply all of your needs. Anybody here this morning have no needs? I talked to somebody this morning who had a doctor's appointment this last week, and he's going to have to have an ulcer taken care of. I asked him if the doctor told him to relieve stress from his life. He said, I don't want to talk about it. How many needs do you have? Can you name them? We ought to count our blessings. But we have needs, do we not? And you and I must understand that no matter how great our need is, our great God can meet that need. We have a great God. He has great resources. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Now, whose riches in verse 19? Yours or mine or his? His riches, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. Remember that chorus? He owns the ridges and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father, so they're mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that he will care for me. Amen? The great resources we have in Christ Jesus. And what a great channel. That is his son. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that coming back to your mind out of 2 Peter chapter 1? That he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Glory in Christ Jesus. That's our God. Now Paul has shared with the believers the benefits Two of them, one, God is pleased. Verse 18, 
I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When we give, God is pleased. It makes him happy. And God will provide, my God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Growth and giving. Growth begins with contentment. It's a response of love. It involves some sacrifice, a willing spirit, and a trusting of God. And lastly, it is a helping partnership in the work of the ministry. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all important. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, will you please? If you're looking for gifts of the Spirit... You can find them in Galatians chapter 5, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Follow along as I read out of this passage of Scripture. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith, by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing, by the, same, by the one Spirit. To another workings of miracles. To another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individual as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that, it would, not make, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were the eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were the ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. As he chose. If, one, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Jump down to verse 25. But there may be, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it you get the picture here the picture that Paul is giving to us 
is that there is one body. Now, we need to re be reminded that the head of the body is Christ, right? And you don't want a two-headed body. One head, Jesus Christ. He is the one to whom we look. But everybody else has a function. Everybody else has a part. Everybody else can do something. Not everybody can do everything, but everybody can do something within the body of Christ. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this body language as partners. But let me just illustrate it this, this morning. Is Pastor John in here? He may be down with our children. Would all of our deacons stand, please? Would all of our trustees stand, please? If you serve on the GMT committee, would you stand, please? If you're part of our technology team, would you stand, please? If you help us with our children's ministry, would you stand, please? If you're part of our cafe ministry, would you stand, please? How about our student ministry? Students in ministry, will you stand, please? Ladies' ministry, stand, please. Life groupers. If you're in a life group or if you teach a life group, will you stand, please? If you have any other teaching ministry, adults, Bible studies, Wednesday nights, stand, please. If you're a greeter, would you stand, please? If you're an usher, would you stand, please? If you have a prayer ministry for Calvary Baptist Church, would you stand, please? If you're part of the music ministry, would you stand, please? Now, that includes everybody who sang this morning because you're all part of the music ministry. If you sang this morning, stand, please. I'm going to get everybody up here in a minute. If you attended Calvary Baptist Church this morning, would you stand, please? I told you I was going to get everybody up. You see the point here? Now, there are a couple people who can't stand. I understand that. Carol, I'm sorry you can't stand. Steve, I'm sorry. But, but here's, the, here's the point. We're all partners in this thing together, right? And I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Because we're growing together. As we give ourselves with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and as we share together in the work of the ministry that God has called us to here in Battle Creek, Calhoun, Berry Counties, Southwest Michigan. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had this morning to, to share, to look into your word and there discover that we all have an important part of the body. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be faithful. Help us to show our love to you, not only as we gather in this place and worship and encourage one another, but in everyday activities as we give ourselves to you and your service, as we see how great our God is, meeting our needs according to his resources and riches that are found in Jesus Christ, our God's Son and our Savior. Lord, 
We love you. And we thank you that nothing will ever separate us from your love. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.